0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Give a Sip podcast. Uh, I believe we are on episode 16 now, so we keep rolling through these things. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick note to y'all that we are definitely trying to make uh, this part of the podcast, as well as the interviews especially, but this part too, more so about um, being able to share with your customers. So I'm going to pare back a little bit on some of the information that I've been sharing before, um, trying to make it more applicable to the general public. And, uh, hopefully that is useful for you, both for, uh, your own knowledge, uh, as well as your customers. So please be encouraging people to listen in and, uh, you know, I'd love to go viral at some point, but <laughs> that's, you know, at least for now, let's just try to get a couple of listeners in. I'd appreciate it. So anyways, uh, outside of, uh, that little announcement. Welcome to Give a Sip. Uh, so I'm gonna start uh, more so as opposed to policy and price changes with more general observations and trends I've been noticing out there. Um, one thing I wanna just kind of put out there is that if we are putting the effort towards uh, a specific brand or SKU or wine or whatever it is, um, it's because it's worth it. Um, I just wanna make sure that that's very clear. Um, we, we have a lot of things to sell in our portfolio Um, not all of them can be as big of a priority, uh, as they probably want to be, uh, which is just the reality of, of the business. But, uh, if we're going to put our weight behind something, it's because we believe in it. Uh, and we think that the, the market really wants it. So, uh, please do take anything that Pat and I are sending you seriously and, and, uh, give it the, uh, the effort and attention that it deserves because they are things that we think are worth your time, not just something that we're putting out for lip service to say we're. Doing our jobs, um, so I'm just going to throw that out there. As we go through this, you know, I, I also want to talk about. I just mentioned that we uh, have over 3,000 SKUs, uh, and it becomes pretty challenging to navigate our portfolio, especially with all of the challenges going on uh, around the world right now, uh, with with shipping and blah blah blah. I'm not going to go into that. We all have talked about that ad nauseum at this point. We all know the challenges. We all know they're real. Uh, how do you plan for something for the unexpected, essentially, is what we're talking about here. You can see something that might be coming in uh, with an ETA of September 18th, and then all of a sudden it becomes October 20th, and you're like, what the heck just happened here? Um, I actually saw a container that I was checking on earlier in the week, uh, or last week, that had a question from uh, from one of y'all. I went to look at it. It looked like it got picked up that week, and within three days of it being picked up, it was already three weeks delayed, uh, which is just crazy to me. It hadn't even basically made it out of the Atlantic into the middle of the ocean, uh, and it was already that far delayed. So it's just a a nightmare. Um, But what I would really suggest to do is not to focus on what's coming, uh, and I'm trying to avoid talking too much and making promises about things that are coming. I'm really focused on what we have what's in stock. And I know that's the old uh, adage, the old cliche uh, that all bosses tell to the sales team at all distributors is sell what's on the floor. But that uh, has never been more true, or more accurate, um, and has really never been the safer, uh, safer model. I think in times past, that might be a cover for for shortcomings of things we might have missed along the way. Right now, that's just not the case. I mean, we have some wines that we ordered in February that are still not here. That's unprecedented. So, uh, really focus on what is here. How much we have is really what I would I would say for that. If somebody's looking for a Pinot Grigio, look at how much Pinot Grigio is in stock. I'm happy to talk with you about the run rates that we have currently and and give you a you know ballpark of. How long I think that will last, obviously the uh, wine inventory gods can come in and and ruin all of our days in a moment's notice by somebody dropping a pallet somewhere unexpectedly, but uh, at least I can give you a general sense of what's available. And as long as you're continuing to communicate with your customers, the information that we're providing for that, and I'm happy again to provide as much information as you need, I, I think that's all you can do at this point. And I think they appreciate that. And I think most customers at this point realize that this is uh, every distributor is going through it, uh, every retailer in every state is going through it. Uh, I've seen Facebook chains in the last couple of weeks talking about Vuv Clicquot being out essentially across the entire Eastern shore. Um, so it's not just us. It's not just small brands. It's, it's everybody. It's big brands. Uh, you know, we are, we're all feeling the pain alike, so, uh. Just keep communicating and be paying attention to what is currently in house. That's my advice. Um, so just to kind of reiterate that one last time here, uh, I've seen a couple of things happen recently where somebody has presented a wine, uh, to a customer and then come where we've had, you know, maybe four to five to 10 cases in stock. And then they've come and asked me how much more can we get? I think that's normally not a bad approach in normal times, but since these aren't normal times, you should really be doing that the opposite way. You should look at the inventory. If it's something you really think is perfect for them, have that question ahead of time. Don't present it and then set yourself up for disappointment. Know exactly what we have uh, in stock and um, what the likelihood is of more coming is a bonus, but really focus on what's here. And then um the last thing for general observations is that ride-alongs are still really freaking weird guys um you know lucia was in town a couple weeks ago she got sick while she was in town not covid sick just sick sick stomach sick but uh you know she had to go back because her um child's daycare uh, had some COVID outbreaks and so it's just a very strange time and from the feedback i've gotten um It really seems like people aren't quite ready for it yet. So we're going to slog through these last couple of weeks of ride alongs, and then we're going to look at it for 2022. But I really think uh, going forward, the traditional one rep one supplier ride along is just not something we should be doing. Um, And as we've talked briefly before, you know, assigning the uh, suppliers to territories is going to be more of the, the way we're going to approach this going forward. So, you know, if it's uh, Team South that has them for the day. You know, Raphael will be signing out, not just one person for the day, but looking at kind of a team effort to try to figure out how to maximize that opportunity. And I think that's going to help us all. That also helps you not have to spend your entire day uh, with one person, and then having to work around that for the rest of the week, which can also be very challenging. So that's what we're looking at going forward. But just bear with us for the next couple of weeks because uh, people have already invested the money that they can't get back, and so we want to be respectful of that while we get through the last of uh, the ride-alongs for the year. And then um, the events that we did, obviously, I thought they were they were great. I had a lot of fun doing those with you all. I hope you had fun coming. Uh, one thing I would say for those, because we will do them again next year, I've got ideas already in place, but if you don't leave there with an understanding of why we work with that supplier, you've done yourself a disservice. You don't need to leave there knowing exactly every detail about every wine that's poured. You don't even need to leave there knowing every every wine that was poured. Uh, but if you don't understand why that supplier is part of our portfolio, and if you don't find something that you love from that portfolio or at least something that you know your customers will love, uh, you really haven't done that right. Um, so I'm just throwing that out. I'll remind you all of that again when we do them again next year. Uh, but I just wanted to put that out there because I really think um, something that's been lost in the last two years that I hope comes back is that we uh, we sort of have, have just been uh, going through the motions might seem a little harsh. But... Um, just not, uh, selling with passion the way that I think I know I love to do. Uh, and I believe most of you love to do as well. So I would love to get back to a place of selling with passion, finding those things you love in the portfolio and really championing them, uh, and really making those connections with our supplier partners in a meaningful way. So, okay. Outside of that, last thing I'm going to mention, ask for the business, uh, you know, but not just asking for business for the sake of asking for business. It's really important to come in and know your customers, know what they want, know what their price points are, know how much they are willing to commit to for an item, which is an important one with the way that we work with our QDs uh, and uh, for Washington at least, and then don't just wait around for failure or uh, for us to make a mistake or for someone else to make a mistake to try to capture some business or try to save some business, try to be as proactive as you can. Uh, The more you're asking, and communicating with your customers, the more you're understanding their needs, the more they're going to trust you. And the more, uh, the easier, really, it's gonna be f- uh, for your relationship and your business together. Um, that is so much of what, uh, when I was on the street, what I was doing uh, was just trying to be the person that they trusted to be there when they needed something. And uh, it served me pretty well. I. I grew up a pretty challenging territory pretty quickly. I am uh, no genius, uh, and I know some of you definitely work harder than I do on the streets out there. Uh, but just making sure you're doing it smartly is all I'm all I'm saying. Okay. Um, price changes. There's going to be the September sheet that was added. Uh, you all probably saw Anton's email as well about posting in the last Friday before the end of the month. So that will start to become more regular. So you'll have at least a little bit of head, head uh, heads up towards new price changes coming. They are uh, things things change all the time. Uh, you know, as much as we want to tell suppliers, uh, partners, or whatever that that we don't want to absorb that pricing, we have to just deal with what we get. Uh, and uh, their costs go up; they can't afford to keep a price where it was. We have to adjust. That's the way it goes. We're not the only ones that have these challenges. So um, that's another one where please be as proactive as you can about those price changes. Once you get that information, I'll reshare the September price changes uh, with the posting of this podcast so you can at least be reminded of those. And then uh, I will try to time an episode right around that last Friday so that you can have that information uh, as fresh as possible other presale things. Uh, there's more Jose pastor on the way. It has not been picked up from New York just yet. As soon as it is, I'll send out some information. Uh, your DMS, uh, some of your DMS asked about, uh, some key customers I'm going to be doing throughout the holidays and then likely going forward to perpetuity is really trying to high spot key, uh, key wines, our higher end wines are the, the fine wine aspects of what we do, because after all, we are a fine wine business uh, and really trying to hone in on the fine wine buyers so I can start to really curtail these these offers to those people, making sure that we're getting them the things that they want, explaining them the way that is really doing them justice, telling the stories of the wineries, telling why they're so special and then uh, going from there. I have a pretty robust list so far. As I send the offers out and see results and things, I'll be able to try to curtail it in a little bit more so I'm not bothering someone who's really not that interested in Spanish wine with too many Spanish offers and, and so on and so forth, or somebody who really uh, couldn't give two shits about natural wine, really just wants to stick with the classics, I'll make sure that I, I stick with the classics for them, and, and things like that. Uh, Speaking of the classics, uh, Bomb Burgers and Shanks has been in. Pat has uh, doled those out pretty generously so far. Uh, I know that is always a hot ticket item when that comes in. So please make sure that if you haven't had that conversation with Pat about what your account needs to do to get some, uh, please have that conversation with him because uh, it seems pretty easy um, and they are pretty fantastic if you ever had a chance to try them. And then, Going into OD, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but we do have glue vine coming back into season. Uh, this is the rose of the winter, as <laughs> so, so I like to say. Uh, German mold wine. We have a strikingly large portion of uh, people who enjoy these mold hot wines out there between the Uh, stadiums where they always serve mulled wines to the ski resorts to pretty much anywhere in town that just has a patio that they want to try to keep open to maximize business. They'll always put a mulled wine on there. Um, the Hofburg blue vines are really fantastic one, uh, that will be attached to this podcast release as well. The presale for that. Uh, so, feel free to get the commitments that will last until the middle of October. So, we'll have a four week run on the Gluevine pre sale. And that is uh, something we sell as much of as some of our top selling roses in the summer. So, that is not to be taken lightly. That $4.50 give or take Gluevine really uh, can add up for you if somebody's buying a pallet, which uh, has happened more than once and I anticipate happening more than once again this season. Okay, uh, I'm not gonna go through the, the drill of the back-end back end stocks and the new SKU arrivals. I'll attach the new SKU arrivals to the uh, email that comes with this as well. There's quite a few exciting new things in there, but I'm gonna high spot a few things right now uh, and just talk about what I mentioned earlier about why we started to work with these people. Uh, so one in particular is Elizabeth Chambers and Sylvan Ridge. Elizabeth Chambers is the very high-end, high-scoring Oregon wines. Uh, Sylvan Ridge, and then Hyman, uh, is is a little bit more value-driven. The Moscato from them is a fantastic sweet option, especially with the Amrita being sold out for so so long now until spring of 2022. So that's something that we can really uh, get behind for those Amrita buyers Um, and the higher scoring high end Oregon Pinos are great for the holidays uh, with us being so low on Patty green for the next year and a half. Presumably uh, this is a good option for us. We obviously also have things like evening land as well and Suzor just got some great scores, too, but it's really not. possible for us to have too much Oregon Pinot Noir at this point, especially with the shortages that we're all going to be seeing going forward. Speaking of Oregon, left coast sellers uh, fills a really big hole in the portfolio in my mind. Uh, they are right next door to Johan uh, and have a fairly similar approach to Montenor. Uh So I feel like we were really, really killing it with Montenor. And we're really starting to pick up with Johan. So the Van Duzer Corridor uh, is something that people really pay attention to and sustainable organic biodynamic, uh, which is something Montanor really championed, uh, are are something that uh, also people really pay attention to quite a bit. And this brand was when we lost Montanor. this was the brand in my mind that I thought, well, to replace that business, this is the brand that we should really go after. And we now have it, which is fantastic. Um, It's all estate fruit as well. Uh, And, you know, they are uh, a little uh, newer. They don't have quite the money behind them. They're still family owned. So uh, it's going to be a little bit of a slower build than Montanor was, I think. But uh, I think the wines are of that same quality. If not, actually, I think they're honestly a little better. Um, And they have a really fun white Pinot Noir that's really been driving the business in the last few years. So something a little bit different. That you see a little bit of out there, but nobody's really championing white Pinot Noir the way the left coast is. So I think that's going to be a massive, massive opportunity for us. And I think once those wines get out there, once you get to tell the story and once you get to taste the quality, uh, that will become our biggest selling Oregon winery, uh, if not the biggest, certainly one of the biggest. So I really am bullish on left coast sellers. Uh, on the Washington side, we've had Balboa come in. Uh, that's been a, a while now, um, but Tom has been great. Uh, I don't know if you all were uh, remembering the stories that he was sharing, but I loved, I loved the story. He really won me over with his story about why they call it Balboa, because they're in the rocks and it's rocky soil. And so it's the rocky Balboa, uh, which really uh, kind of gives me a chuckle every time. I love a good dad joke. They're really worth giving a giving a shout out to if you if you haven't uh, had a chance to get some new Washington wines out in front of people. The White Myth is great. The Grüner is going to come down in price. Um, The Artist Series Cab has been a winner. Uh, Those are just really really um, serious solid wines for the money. Um, I think one of the arguably one of the better values from Washington that we have in our portfolio is Balboa. Now, another new addition from Washington is Cougar Crest. That has just come in. Um, This is a brand that uh, had its heyday uh, and has kind of fallen off in the last four or five years, admittedly. But they're making a lot of really uh, smart changes to the portfolio. So it is, in a lot of ways, uh, an entirely revamped project for us. But I think that the changes they're making are really, really going to, um, to showcase the quality and they're going to, in the next year or two or three, really start to come after the AMA visa of the world and the Savias of the world pretty hard. And that's a big, big business here in Washington. That, that 20, $25 SRP high-end Walla Walla, um, cab and Syrah. And that's what they're really, really honing in on for themselves and, uh, kind of, clearing out the clutter, if you will, and really focusing in on what is important to the Washington market and what they do really well. And that happens to be their Walla Walla Cabin Syrah. So I think that, uh, this will be a slow burn for us, but once we get it rocking and rolling, that could really be a prime, prime winery for us in Washington. Now, if you're looking for something a little more high end, the foundation sellers is a way to go. Eric Zentler, uh, met with us before. Uh, so he's working out of Darby. So it's a little bit like the Derby style. If you're familiar with those wines and you haven't tried foundation yet, there are free samples of foundation, by the way, at the, at the, uh, warehouse still, if you haven't had a chance to try those, he just got a ton of great scores. Uh, I think he's got really, really smart packaging and the wines were really surprising for the money, especially, uh, Daniel and I tried those back in April and we're just blown away by the quality. So that for me is our, um, Feather in the cap is the way I'm going to put it, Uh, for foundation sellers. uh, They are super high scoring, uh, as I mentioned, and I think he's got the chance to become, maybe Cayuse is is a little uh, hyperbolic, but in that ilk of just constantly having these 200 to 500 case lots that are 92 to 95 points that we just can't get enough of. Uh, Doesn't matter that they're 40 to 60 bucks on the shelf, People just want to have them and want the new iterations of them. I think that's coming. Um, same thing. We're on the we're on the early side for him for that. He's been self-distributing up until this point, but uh, I think we're getting it on the ground floor for a really exciting opportunity there. And then uh, the big one that I want to mention, I'm going to skip Volio for now because I'm already rambling on a little too long at this point. Um, Volio has been great though. That's an awesome Italian edition for us. So if you haven't looked up AW plus Volio imports, please do so and check out what they've got. The Rivettos in particular are some phenomenal Barolos, but uh, what I wanted to talk about right now is Shotzi. And this is one that's for Washington and Idaho only. So apologies for this conversation for the Oregon team that might be listening in. Uh, I had hoped to get them free, free all, but they're not quite ready to make that change yet. So if we're able to, um, really knock it out of the park up here in Washington. That should be a conversation for 2022. Uh, Shotzi is, uh, Terry these disciples. So you got to think Riesling, you got to think champagne, you got to think really high quality French wines. Um, the big name for them is lights. So there's the Dragonstone Riesling, which is their, uh, kind of marquee high, higher volume Riesling. That's known quite, Uh, quite well, especially on the East coast in higher end restaurants. That's a fantastic Riesling glass pour. uh, And they do some really fun uh, cans and things. They've been on a lot of can uh, write-ups and whatnot, but they have also become the fastest growing number one selling non-alcoholic producer from Europe. And we uh, have been trying and trying and trying to get up to speed with them on the non-alcoholic side uh, but they continue to sell out their two, three containers sold out uh, in advance of what's coming. They just can't seem to get it here fast enough. So we've got a DI order coming, and then we've got a stateside order pending uh, with this landing inventory that they have. So I'm going to take a second to talk about non-alcoholics, uh, which is it's kind of odd for us all to sort of take this step back and think about. But this is such a burgeoning category uh, that is not just a dry January thing anymore. Uh, And I really think that if we can get behind the non-alcoholic portion of our portfolio, not just the and I don't mean like the sodas and and tonics and things like that, mind you. I mean, the actual spirits like the NLL that's designed uh, to be a non-alcoholic gin and the uh, lights uh, Eins Zero wines that will be coming. There's another one we have coming called Acid League, which is from Canada. That's really in- interesting. It's more like drinking vinegars. And then uh, we have the W-I-N Win wines from Natural Merchants. I think the they all hit different price points in different styles of this category. And I think this is really an area that in two years, we're going to look back on and, and be like, holy crap, this is such an important part of our business. I've already gotten two chains to commit to non-alcoholics from us for January, which is obviously when, when it's going to have its biggest push is in dry January. Everybody knows that dry January is a big thing. It's very real. We want to capture that business, obviously, but so many more people, including myself, mind you, are really toning down on the drinking after these last two years because they've just gone nutso on drinking throughout the week. And so maybe they still go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but they're going to take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off from drinking. They still want something to have at home, something refreshing that tastes good. That's not soda. um, And these are the perfect opportunities. Uh, Pat and I have been looking at a lot of options out there. We feel like these are some of the best on the market. And, uh, I'm really bullish. I I think this is going to be such a huge part. I really believe this could be over a million dollars worth of our business, uh, come 2022. Cause it's not just again, dry January. It's not just over the holiday season. When you have somebody who's visiting you, uh, who doesn't drink and you want to accommodate them. And it's not just non-alcoholic beers anymore, even though that category in of itself is elevated as well. We're not getting into NA beers. Don't worry. Uh, but if you just notice what's happening in the in the category, people are taking it so much more seriously uh, and advertising for it. I see as many Heineken non-alcoholic beer ads as I do Heineken ads at this point. It's a very real category. Um, so let's take it seriously. Um, pay attention when those come in. And that's from Shotzi, S-C-H-A-T-Z-I. Outside of that, the wines we're getting are super fucking cool. Um, Cirque is my favorite Friulian producer. Uh, one of them it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for the more natty side, Cirque is definitely the way to go. If you're looking for the more classic side, Borgo d'Atilio is the way to go. Lucky for us, we have both. Um, but that's really fantastic. Their Champagnes are phenomenal. They have some really wonderful Burgundies and Beaujolais uh, and all sorts of really fun German wines. As you can imagine, we are going to get some Luxembourgian wine from them at some point. So. It's gonna get weird. It's gonna get fun. There's not gonna be a lot of it. Uh, you know, you'll see five to ten cases of these things. Have fun with them while you la- while they last. One other one I should mention real quick in here is the Sunstrom cider. Sunstrom ciders are my favorite New York ciders, hands down. Full stop. Sunstrom cider is fucking amazing. This and Propolis is really uh, things that I think elevate those categories in ways that uh, we as fine wine distributors can really excel with. So check out Sunstrom, check out Propolis. Okay, I'm going to move on from all that stuff. There's so many new things going on. Uh, if your head's not spinning all day long, uh, I don't know what you're doing because my head certainly is. But that's just a little bit of a, a taste of what's what we've got going on so far. Um, I didn't even talk about the Maku, which is the Makali, which we have for Oregon and Idaho. But if you guys haven't taken that out yet, please do so. Uh, unfortunately in the last couple of weeks between my vacation, uh, where I got to enjoy my 10 year anniversary with my lovely wife and Pat's vacation where he got to enjoy his family time in Hawaii, we haven't really been able to connect for a drinking with Pat. Uh, please go back and listen to that French 75 one again, though. I listened to that again. I, I, you know, that's such a simple, easy sell at any bar and, uh, it's delicious and it's sort of a forgotten cocktail. Um, and it's a good way to stretch out. You know, he uses the Goumet uh, 375 because Pat's bougie like that in his uh, def- his recipe. But, you know, if you've got uh, Vu Van Baal on by the glass, use that for the French 75. Stretch out that sparkling because people are always concerned about that. This is a great way to, to get the full use of that bottle. One other thing you could consider for things like French 75s, by the way, is to use the canned sparklings that we have. Um, Canned wines, I think, are going to be big for this holiday season because of uh, individual needs as well as stocking stuffers and things like that. Um, If you didn't see my email, uh, Kristen Olszewski from Nomadica was actually named as one of Wine Enthusiasts 40 Under 40 Tastemakers. Uh, I had slated her to actually be on the podcast in a couple of weeks, but In light of the recent news, I added her in as the interviewee for this week. So check out my interview with Kristen. Uh, I did it before that news broke. So we don't really talk about that, which is great. Um, We just talk about the business. Uh, We also have a whole new slate of canned labels from them, which are a great improvement uh, in my mind. And I think in their mind as well, from what they had before, Uh, really uh, stand out still stay true to what they were previously, but are just a, a, a great upgrade. Uh, so please listen into that. Let's talk about Juan Francisco Farina, the Los Loros uh, Sobrelias that we have. So this is a Canary Islands wine, uh, and we get a ton of really cool Canary wines from Jose Pastor for the Washington market. Um, Juan Francisco is arguably the most progressive of all of those winemakers. Uh, that we get, you know, you have got those Dolores Cabrera fans. There's the QN fans. Um, you know, everyone loves Invinite, Obviously that's, that's sort of the star of the show at this moment. I think that the fans of Invinite should jump on this because those wines continue to get harder and harder to get. And this has a lot of those elements that people love just a little bit broader shoulders. Uh, it's least on Blanco that we're talking about. There's a red as well, which is least on Negro. Those are the indigenous grapes for Canary islands. Both are like 30 year old w- vines at this point. Um, Where they are in uh, the Canary Islands, they're on the east coast of the Tenerife at some of the highest elevation. We're talking about 1,400 meters here. There's only 12 registered wineries in this portion of of the DO. So super, super limited. Uh, This wine, they only make about 100 cases of a year. Uh, So it's really, for me, it's really interesting because it's, it hits a lot of the same notes that you would see from for for Burgundy lovers, especially Pouleny lovers in my mind. Um, but then also a lot of the same notes that like the salty volcanic soil brings in for Canary, you know, and Vinate lovers. So it's sort of a best of both worlds in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you get some of those uh, lime pithy elements uh, up front, which comes from the bentonite. This wine is fined uh, just for those people that are super, super natty. It does use a little bit of bentonite. Um, it is unfiltered, uh, but it is a little fined, um, even though with the fining, um, the least stirring that they they use makes this wine so textural. Uh, I really love the texture of of this wine. Uh, and then once you, you know, get it in your mouth, you get a little bit more of that lazy character, uh, a little bit of charred peach and bay leaf, and then it's just a whoosh of acid and salt and volcanic minerality. Um, it needs a little bit of time to open up surely. Um, I think that's why people maybe haven't gravitated to it quite as much as the other wines yet, because it's just, you know, in two, three years, it's going to be really at its peak. Um, Or, you know, 30 uh, minutes to an hour in the decanter before dinner. Um, But the wine is fucking amazing. uh, And it is the best kept secret in Spain in our portfolio right now. So definitely check out the Juan Francisco wines, the Los Loros Sobrelias. Um, As we're wrapping up this week's episode, there was an article a couple weeks back. I'll share it in the the email here. But uh, it was called Don't Call Me Chef. Uh, was the title of the article. It was an Eater article. Um, it was about uh, the culture of, of kitchens and how it needs to change and the to- tosici- toxicity, that's a hard word, of it, um, all of which I very much agree with uh, and have experienced myself. But really at the root of that article, what I took from it was that it's it, uh, where kitchens survive and where they thrive more so is uh, in, in environments of teamwork, in environments with fluid exchange of ideas and knowledge, uh, and using experience as a source of healing. Um, and that, to me, uh, is, is exactly what I embodied in my restaurant. Um, you know, it's it's hard to find. Certainly that you know, that culture is so defined by the one figurehead who knows all and uh, and is all in each in, uh, environment in each restaurant, and that's just a, a fallacy. Um, and it carries over beyond restaurants, mind you. This is this is more of a conversation about life than it is about restaurants. But it's using restaurants as the uh, as the foil for this. Um, at my restaurant. One thing we always did was which we totally ripped off from Noma. I am no visionary. I don't even want to pretend like that's the case. But uh, is Friday family meals is what we called it. So on your Friday, obviously, everyone had different Fridays. We were open seven days a week. So whatever your Friday was, you cooked the family meal. But it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, make everybody dinner. It was what are you excited about? What are you inspired by? What do you need me to order for you to cook that? You know, it might not be something we normally do. Like you want to make ramen. Great, I'll bring in what you need for that. You want to make soba? I'll bring in some buckwheat for that. Sure. You want to make some weird ass rose petal soup? Uh, I'm gonna make fun of you for it. (laughs) lovingly, of course, but uh that is one thing that one of our uh cooks wanted to make was some sort of rose petal soup. And it was weird and gross, but um, you know, we supported him in his efforts to try uh and to exchange those ideas, you know. What if he'd come in and made the best soup I've ever had in my life? Um, who am I to tell him that he's stupid for thinking that he should try? Um, and that's really something that I think we've, we would, I would like to get back to more so with everybody as well is that fluid exchange of ideas and knowledge. And I don't know what, I don't know everything going on in the world, um, by, by any means. Uh, and I certainly don't know everything going on in the world of wine, so if you have ideas, if there's something you taste that you're really excited about, if there's something you read about that you're really excited about, um, please send it my way. Uh, and I will take your requests seriously and I will look into them. Uh, it doesn't mean they're always going to work out, but it it's certainly something I will put my effort towards because I really want us to have a portfolio that we all believe in and we all think is fantastic and we all love um, not just uh, a vision of myself or Anton or Pat's best portfolio and you having to work within those confines. Um, I don't think that is the right way to to sell personally. I, I think no matter how good of a salesperson you are, people can smell through that bullshit at some point. So you have to really do love what you sell in order to be truly, truly successful at it. Uh, and I want to make sure that everybody is loving what they're selling. Uh, with that in mind, uh, there is some clomogador olive oil available for all of you. If you haven't gotten it yet, please make sure to reach out to me so I can coordinate for you. Most everyone, it seems like has gotten some already. This is bomb ass olive oil, courtesy of boutique wines. Uh, our buddy Bryce Uh, has provided this very generously to us as a thank you for our partnership. And he has really felt the love from us in this first year and he wanted to, to share it back in kind. Uh, So there is that bottle for you. Um, It's a really fantastic finishing oil. Clove Mogador makes some of the best olive oil in Spain. Um, No bullshit. And uh, so enjoy that bottle. Uh, Use it as a finishing oil. I will say (laughs) don't, don't just like dump it in your, in your saute pan uh, and waste it all in one go while you're, you know, cooking, cooking up a uh, something um try to use it you know more more lovingly than that is my recommendation but it's your olive oil so do whatever you want with it um other than that places that could use a little bit of our love we've talked about cune lucia was in town a couple of weeks ago let's continue to to show the love for her it's not just the cune crianza we want to look at the imperial we want to look at the contino we want to look at the bella you know her canary island wines. if if somebody's looking to like have something with a little more consistency in inventory. Those are great. Um, there's a lot of options from her at this point. Uh, and we just want to make sure we're showing the love. Uh, evening lands is another place. La source. Uh, we need to, we need to get some love behind, especially the Chardonnay. So your DMS, uh, will be coordinating with you about some free samples. We're going to be taking around for that. If anyone has a home for that past two or the Shannon, I'm not super worried about those. To be honest, those wines are so baller, uh, coming into the fall, they'll sell out, but, if you have somebody that needs like 10 cases of something for a wine club, this is the time to put that out in front of them because those are so cool. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, and then uh, Valkyrie. Valkyrie could use a little love. Uh, Domain Wine Company, we just got the Pavette Chardin. That's a great one to take out. Uh, we've got a, a re-up on some of their Spanish wines, the Azuli Garanzas. Uh, we're getting a re-up on some of the French wines soon. I know inventory has been challenging, but, uh, but they could use a little bit of love for sure. So anything you can feel like you can pull from Valkyrie that works for your accounts, please do so. And, uh, last but not least in the focus, it is O and D. Uh, I mentioned glue earlier. Uh, I'm 60%, 70% finished with an O and D packet for you all. I'm trying to get it done as quick as possible, trying to get all the scores compiled. It's kind of a pain in the butt, but, uh, we're getting close. So uh so look out for that soon. All right. Uh coming down the home stretch here of this episode, couple of things to mention. We have a, a few more people, as I was saying earlier, coming into town. Uh, natural merchants and Empson from the wine side. Pat, I know has four or five people coming in as well. Um it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be easy. Don't, don't stress too much, guys. Um, right now, the real important thing is making sure that they're making those meaningful connections. Um, I know that you can't always get uh, full-on tasting appointments and things like that. Uh, that's not really the expectation, uh, nor is it honestly the plan anymore. So, um, outside of that, um, not gotten final details from Jeff, uh, but. They are opening up a new tasting room in Woodinville in the old Brian Carter space. If you remember where that was on the main strip, there where like Purple and stuff is, um, that is supposed to happen this Thursday, the seventeenth, from five to nine p.m. Uh, that oh, sorry, the, this Friday, the seventeenth. Excuse me, Friday the seventeenth, from five to nine p.m. Uh, I haven't gotten final word from him. But that is something that you should earmark for yourselves. If you wanted to go join, he will save you guys a table and give you all the red carpet treatment. They're going to have a more proper tasting room now, uh, and it's going to be more prominent. So we all believe that will help a ton with WT's exposure here in the Washington market because he's still kind of this like off the beaten path winery when he should really be a much bigger deal because uh, he's earned it. Also on Friday at 9 a.m., there is a South American virtual event uh, with. Fetzer, are uh, going through connoisseurs vineyards. If you're interested, I will include the link in the email for this. Please feel dis- free to send that on to any of your buyers that may want to enjoy that as well. And uh, if you want to join in by all means, I think we have nine o'clock free this Friday. So uh, one of the rare times. Uh, other than that, we're getting a bunch of new shelf talkers and neckers and things. We do have those connoisseur 90 point organic neckers still. Um, so don't forget about those. Um, lots of stuff's coming down the line for O and D I'll keep you posted as it arrives. Um, I'm going to get back into the habit of putting things on that A and W cool new stuff. I've gotten away from that since I left for vacation. Uh, so that's going to come back hopefully with the vengeance. Uh, and I'll start to post some more. I'm a terrible poster of my own life. Uh, so, um, that might've, that's been a bit of a, you know, best laid plans so far, but I'm, I'm determined to make that worthwhile for y'all. So, uh, so I will try my best to get back into the habit with that. Um anyone who's looking for cool whiskey, that Navazos Palazzi corn whiskey that came in, Akipo Navazos makes some really baller rums and whiskies out of out of Spain. They're in the sherry triangle. Akipo Navazos is a super experimental uh sherry house. Uh and that corn whiskey is really fantastic. Um, if you're uh if you have accounts that are interested in those sorts of things, I would highly recommend offering it to them. They will be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I had some um, in Spain actually last time I was there and was totally shocked at how good it was. I thought it was going to be more of a novelty and it was actually quite impressive. Uh, A couple of articles have come out lately uh, that have been really great. The Salem Pinot Noir was in uh, Wine Spectator's 12 Charming Oregon Pinot Noirs. Uh, so that's worth, uh, highlighting it's 90 points too. um, one of the things I'm going to give you for O and D is a highlight of all the things that are $25 and under SRP that have 90 plus points in stock. And that will be one of them. So Salem Pinot Noir 90 points, great place to look, especially for Thanksgiving. New York Magazine also put out a best canned wine list, and we rocked it with that. The lights out, which isn't here just yet, but that's part of the lights brand that I mentioned before from Shotzi Seeds and Skins, which we have another palette of coming soon. Nomadica was on there, uh, and Freako Lambrusco was on there as well. So quite a few of the hits on that list were ours. So yay us. Um, yeah, just coming into the, to the final bit here. Uh, Please pay attention to that new Scarpetta bounty for your accounts. Uh, I'll send a little recap in the emails as well. Sorry, it's going to be a lot of attachments this time. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, But that'll have a little bit of a recap on what was assigned where. But there's a lot of money up for grabs from Scarpetta throughout the rest of the year for the bounty program. So give that a holler. Uh, And, uh, you know, if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Next week, I'm going to have Domain Rollet on the, uh, interview podcast or the next episode, I should say, I'm going to shoot for every other week with an episode with an interview. And then, uh, once a month for these recaps, I think is what the goal is going forward. So next one will be Domaine relay, just the interview. I'm really excited about that. I freaking love Jura, uh, almost as much as I love Sherry and Domaine relay is one of the, uh, really old school OG houses of Jura. Uh, it's one of the places I visited when I was there. I actually have a bottle of their van Jaune that sits on my, uh, office desk at home uh, that was uh, a relic of that visit, and they tell a lot about uh, what's going on in Jura, how some of those uh, wines are made with the the veil similar to sherry, um, the indigenous grapes, the Jurassic soil. It's really fantastic. So it's a really fun episode. So that has a lot of cool info for you. So check out that next uh, next episode. And then, um, you know, we mentioned earlier, focus on what's in the in stock. Um, A lot of stock is coming back, but there's going to be this. It's going to be a roller coaster, guys. It's going to be like, here's here's two pallets. Oh, there goes two pallets. Here's 30 cases. There goes 30 cases. We're getting as much as we can of a lot of these things as quickly as we can. Uh, It's clearly not enough for our needs, uh, but it's what we can get. So when stock comes back, be ready and uh, jump on it don't hesitate. When you see those arrival reports from Amy, jump on it and get it out to your accounts. Let them know it's here. Let them know how much is here. Don't assume that it's just going to be there forever. Uh, I would assume the safe bet is to assume it's going to be gone by the end of the week Um, for any sort of high velocity items that we've been having uh, sort of a yo-yo of inventory for. That's the key. That's the key right now. When it's here, get them to buy in. It's going to help them out in the long run. If it means that you have to like parcel out a couple of invoices, you know, don't be a dick uh, like that's one thing I'm going to say right now. Don't be a dick and screw over your other uh, other reps and other accounts just to you know satisfy your needs for the next two months. But if they can, you know, if they need to take it in two different chunks, two weeks apart. They're going to buy 10 cases each time. Like we can finagle that a little bit. We want to make sure that we're accommodating our account, certainly. But you can't like put a case in every week for the next 12 weeks sort of thing um, just so that they can be secure like that. No, they got to help us meet halfway. They got to buy in to some some degree because somebody else will. Um, and we don't you know, we want to support those people that are supporting us and uh, that's going to be part of, of of this. So it's all a conversation. It's all fluid. There's nothing that's set in stone about this is the rule. You must you must buy this to secure this. Blah blah blah. None of that crap. But um, just know that you know we're we're gonna have conversations. If you're trying to stretch out inventory like that, um, and it's it's not going to work long term. So um, try your best to have them buy in with you based on the needs of what they've got going on. Uh, and then just to kind of bring this episode home, uh, I don't know if it was clear throughout, but I just really want to reiterate the fact that we are still a fine wine and spirits company. Um, we sell you know, higher end products. We sell really thoughtfully made products. We sell really refined products yes, we have a lot of high volume movers. Yes, we have a lot of uh, you know inexpensive options that are that are pretty easy to drink and, and simple and things like that. But at the end of the day, at the core of who we are, we're a fine wine house. And that's what has made us who we are. That is what has put us where we are in the marketplace. Uh, and that is not something that I, I think we are going to change anytime soon. Uh, I certainly have no intention of having that change. Um, that means that you have to be willing and not afraid to talk about the stories of the products, to sell the products, to understand beyond just the tech sheet, what it is that's going on with that product. And I say product because it's wine and spirits. You got to know what it is that your customers look for. What does they care about more than anything? That's the real thing. It's not just, oh, they need a Pinot Noir for $15. It's, oh, they need a Pinot Noir, but they really care about You know, if it's a female winemaker or if it's if it's family owned or if it's sustainably farmed or even if it's a screw top or not, sometimes that's all that matters. But like those details matter. And that's really what your job is as a fine wine account manager is to know those details for your accounts and be ready to answer those questions. I am here to help you with those things, but I am certainly not your secretary, not to be an asshole about it, but I'm not your secretary. So I'm not going to sit here all day long and just answer those questions that can be found on the internet. Um, you know, the, the tech sheets and things like that. I'll help you find it, uh, when I have the time, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, and y'all have Google too. So, uh, I've gotten a lot of that lately where it's, we've sort of reverted back to a pretty basic place, uh, and asking for a lot of pretty basic information that, uh, isn't necessarily relevant to the account's needs, nor is it that hard to find, to be honest. So I just want to really reiterate that to y'all that we are a fine wine company um, that comes with a specific expectation of your knowledge of the products that you sell. There's a lot of them, I know. They're coming at you fast and furious. You're not meant to know every single little detail about every single little wine, but if you're pulling a wine, the expectation is you know why. <laughs> that seems pretty basic, but uh, that's that's what it is for me. So. Um that's some you know, just think about that. And I'm not saying just for the seven dollar ones, I am all for you guys pulling the hundred dollar burgundies or you know, high-end pre-urat or high-end nap or whatever, if you know why, if you know why you need that, and you not even necessarily know what the results gonna be, because we all can't predict that. Um, but if you actually have accounts that you really believe could benefit from that, then And mind you, it doesn't necessarily, I don't even mean benefit in the sense of just sales. If it's going to help with your relationship, if it's going to help with everything that's going on uh, with that account, then let's talk about it. 100%. No qualms with that. All the DMs are also going to have Corvins here very shortly, as will I. So we can also be sharing bottles with Corvins across teams and across accounts uh, very easily. Um, Something we should have had done a long time ago, but we Had a little bit of other stuff going on. So that sort of fell to the backburners. But we've got those on the way. They're ordered. Should be here soon. So um, just to really, really final nail in that coffin, um, you know, kick that that horse a little bit more. um, Just be confident in your own knowledge and your own abilities and the wines and spirits and other crap that we sell. (laughs) Not crap. All the other products that we sell. uh, Be confident in them. Be confident in yourself and trust that trust in, in why it's here and why you're selling it. Um, it may not be the easiest way to go about this this business, but it, I think it's the right way, and it can be really uh, really a strong, powerful uh, way to build your business and your relationships. Just uh, not just in the short term, but also as you progress in your career in this industry. So that is my advice. Uh, take care of yourself. Y'all, um, stay sane, stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, and thanks for giving a sip.